Welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gregory. With me, as usual, are Jess and Nick. Both of them are fresh off New York Comic Con this last weekend. Nick's got the con crud, but he's here with us. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about their experience at NYCC and some of the news that Marvel uh, released there. But first... I want you to pause the podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please go ahead and do so. Give us a rating and a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, so on and so forth. If you haven't been yet to multiversitycomics.com, where we're hosted, also, what are you doing with your life? Go do that right now. There's a lot of great post-NYCC content on Multiversity, tons of video interviews with different creators, and also all of the news that came from the con this last weekend. Um, So Nick, Jess, y'all are back in the real world. How was New York Comic Con? Uh, It was great. It was sort of like for me, the entire trip, and I, I don't say this lightly, like I never use this term, but it was genuinely life changing. And just, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and like part of that was the fact that it was like my first like time going on a like huge trip completely like just me, no family, no friends uh, and just doing my thing. Uh, but then like part of it was just seeing how alive the whole comics community was. Um, and I think that it extended so far beyond like Marvel and DC. And when you go to a con like this, like you really see how small they are in the big picture of things and how huge just like literally everything else is. Um, And we can talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But um, I think those are my initial thoughts. Sure, sure. That's so cool. So so this was your very first New York Comic Con. And Jess, this was your like fifth or sixth one that you had been to or... This was my fifth one um, as a whole and my fourth one uh, as press. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I left last year kind of with a bad taste in my mouth about the con. I didn't have a great time. Um, And this year I had a blast. I cosplayed almost every day and I didn't overextend myself with what I would go see and do and... I made time to like really just have a good time. Like I, I spent time at booths and I spent some time in artist alley and I really got to see everything. And I had such a nice time. And, and I know like this con gets a bad rap as being like basically like mini San Diego, but I still think it's, I still think it has its eye mostly on comics. Um, I, I think it still does a good job at putting comics. I mean, it, it has its fair amounts of like autographings with like big celebrities and things like that. And, and, and I think that does take up a lot of the publicity space, but I still think that they have a really good artist alley and they'll have a better one soon because the part of the building they used to do it in will be open soon, um, will be reopened again. And that's like the way that that used to be set up. That was like its own little con in and of itself. Cause that artist alley area was massive. Um, 
much bigger than what was what what's been there the last two years. Um, I still think that most most of their panels are still comics focused. A lot of this, the main floor stuff is still comics focused. Um, I I just I think it's a great show, and I really really had a nice time this year. I really did. Yeah, Jess, it's funny you said uh, publicity, like being mainly the non-comic stuff. And yeah, I was constantly at like a bunch of different panels for comic stuff and like hanging out in Artist Alley and going to like all the booths for the comic stuff. And like all of a sudden I'd look online and like 20 different things for media stuff was were like all breaking, you know? even though those were, I feel like, such small parts of the con and you had to sort of look to find them. Um, but if you want, like, you can make it completely about comics and still not even, like, obviously not even attend everything, but also miss a lot of the big stuff. Like, I constantly uh, was also seeing... It's like... <laughs> it's sort of like being in the eye of the storm. Like, you don't see the entire like what's going on because you can only focus on one thing at a time, but there's constantly like 200 things going on at a time. Um, so looking at the the con from like a media coverage perspective is completely different from actually being there. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of banners and stuff for movies and TV shows, but like if you go there and you're just like, yeah, I want to pick up some cool books. I want to get some stuff signed. It's like, you can do all of that comic stuff and not even remember that there's other stuff happening. Um, and that's partially because of the way the building is set up. Like all the expensive like photo ops and autographings are like in like a totally separate part of the building. So like you don't even need to be in that general area. Like you can go there and just be about the comics and have a great time at like a huge comic book show. And I've been told that like San Diego's not really like that anymore, but it's slowly shifting back towards there with like Marvel uh, doing, because now Marvel's owned by Disney, obviously, and they do a lot of stuff at that Disney um, expo thing that they do every year. So like even they're starting to shift away from being only about like the main pop culture stuff, but it's, it's great. I mean, you do get lost in like all the announcements and stuff. Like I come home every Monday and I'm like, what did I miss? Cause I miss everything. Um, Cause I'm just kind of having a good time, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still, I think a really good comic show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Nick, you were, you went to some of the news panels cause you were, you were taking pictures that you were sending in, um, back to like our news, our news team people. Some. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, I went to, I think, five different panels. Um, like, I went to the Boom panel. I went to uh, a Dark Horse panel about All Ages books. I went to a Dark Horse panel about the Avatar books. I went to a Raina Telgemeier panel. Um, and then the fifth one, I went to uh, the panel that Kate moderated, uh, which was about V.E. Schwab's uh, Shades of Magic series, uh, the comics that they're doing at Titan based on her books. Um Sorry, I, I forget the what was the question. Oh, that you I was asked? you were I was just comment because you were saying how um, how interesting it is to be there and trying to keep up with all the coverage and also like thinking about mm-hmm. the covering the covering all of its side because yeah, like I was I just laid yeah. in bed Saturday and basically just like wrote news articles all day. Like as soon as like something would break, they would get posted in our like community our, our Slack channel, and then I'd be like, okay, I got it, and I would you know type something up, but. 
like yeah you were sending stuff and i could i could see how being there and it being so big and spread out you would miss or like miss or like also like be even like more more in tune with some of that stuff i don't know yeah because while i mean while you're at a panel like you're seeing the news as it breaks but then at the same time there's nine other panels going on where other news is right 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 yeah they were i was looking at the schedule like everything was so close together um so you, so Nick, you you said it was this parts of the weekend were were life changing. So I want to ask you both, like what what was the most exciting part about being at at NYCC this year? Um, I think uh, just being around uh, all of the creators, and that's like there was a specific section of the floor which was all small press booths, and there was a section of the floor that was all uh, like the bigger publishers. And then obviously there was the entire artist alley, which is like insane just to think about to me. It's they just stick 400 of the biggest names in comics in one room. And that's it. Like that's, that is mind blowing to me. <laughs> like that is the entire industry right there. Um, so the, probably the coolest part about it was that, and just like everybody is there and they're just eager to talk to people because everybody is proud of their work and they want to talk about it. And yeah, it's just like seeing that these are just people and like just going up and talking to people. It was, yeah, that was the coolest part for me. Are there any people that you were especially excited to, to get to talk to? Um, so I did, I actually did two interviews. Um, one of them was with Tom Zoller. I just really like all of his work. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't going there. Like there were people who I had met online, but I had never met in person. Um, so it was cool to see them, but I didn't go specifically for any creator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I didn't know if they were like walking around artist alley, if you saw somebody's table and you're like, Oh wow, this is a creator. I really, really like, and you went up and, like had all the conversation with them, right? So since we're a, a Marvel podcast, I feel like I should mention, um, I went to, um, my friend wanted me to pick up a book from him uh, that was like a con exclusive uh, from Tyler Boss, like his newest book with Matt Rosenberg. Um, and so like I went to the oh, table okay, yeah. and he was sharing a table with Ed Brisson and Tyler Boss wasn't there. So, and I didn't know what he looked like. So I asked Ed Brisson, like, hey, and I, I felt like it was Ed Brisson. So I was like, are you Ed Brisson? He was like, yeah. And basically I was like, oh, okay, I'm not here for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, okay. I didn't say okay. that, obviously. But that Amazing. was sort of what it was. Perfect. <laughs> I was like, do you know when Tyler Balls is going to be back? Um, and that was, that was it. That was my entire uh, interaction with Marvel <laughs> at the con. <laughs> Good. Good. Okay. Okay. Perfect. 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 Well, that story, that story is worth it um, for all of our Marvel coverage. That's it, folks. Mm-hmm. We're, we're done for the day now. Uh, so, so Jess, I want to ask, ask you the same question. What were, what were the, the most exciting things for you at, at NYCC this year? Um, I don't know. Cause it's kind of hard to like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I was pretty jazzed about a couple of interviews I got to do. Um, I got to interview Kieran Gillen twice, which is like 
amazing twice um, at the same twice like in the same at different days yeah um we're best friends now hi karen no. <laughs> i was there for the first i hope one. he doesn't listen i i hope he doesn't listen to this <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah yeah i got to interview him twice i mean i'm sorry i know this is a marvel podcast but uh none of them were about marvel i didn't even mention like you know, I interviewed him and Stephanie Hans, and I didn't even mention, like, Loki. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I uh, I got to interview people that I had really wanted to talk to. and What was the was... second interview about? The first one was about his new the, book? The first one, the first one was uh, on Saturday. I talked to him about uh, Wicked. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, the Wicked and the Divine, uh, for anybody who doesn't know what just Wicked is, I guess. Um it's really good. Um, he was great. I talked to him for about 10 minutes. And then uh, on Sunday, I got to interview him and, and Stephanie Hans for a close to like 20 minutes, which was amazing. And um, I kind of fangirled all over Stephanie Hans, which, you know, she was cool with. And because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm like, I am just like, she is so amazing to me like everything she does is just so perfect and i love it and i'm just like obsessed with her work i think i have like i have like four prints by her and like i i I used to work at a comic i was telling her i used to work at a comic book store and i used to uh help with the orders and like you know when you work there you can order like things that you might want because you got like an employee discount or whatever so i used to like go out of my way to order any cover that she did um so i have like cover upon cover upon cover of like everything she's done like and I told her that and she was so nice and and it was it was great. I think that was my favorite part of 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 uh like being at the con and like just getting to take time to say hi to people and hang out and it I I, I guess like yeah, like the most exciting part of it to me was was doing things differently this year from how I usually do it and um just taking time to actually enjoy being there. Like I I really took time to like watch like cosplayers and and things like that and check out every single booth and like I I really had a good time like checking just just enjoying the atmosphere which I don't usually do I usually try to do like a hundred different interviews and go to a bunch of panels and and I'm exhausted every single day and it ends up not being fun um with that said I didn't go to a single panel this was the first year I did not go to a single panel I got into the twilight 10th anniversary panel and I didn't go (laughs) oh wow so I got a seat in it and and I decided not to go. So I went to no panels. I could tell you about everything that happened on the showroom floor and what was there and what demos were there and what cool stuff was being given out. I could tell you all about Artist Alley. Could not tell you about anything that happened at a single panel. I didn't go to any of them this year. <laughs> oh, wow. That's... I, and I bet that's that's such a different experience. I mean, I've I've only... The largest con it, it I've is. ever been to is C2E2 and I went to like all the panels and I like missed yeah. a lot of the the force it, it is and and you think that like you don't you think that like you're there for four days and you have so much time that you would go to a bunch of panels and i actually found that like i didn't really miss the panels too much like i got a chance to do like all the fun little experiences they were doing like i got to go through uh stars had um this cool like american gods and outlander thing set up where you go through and you have like two different experiences based on the show um the outlander stuff was set up like uh america during the revolutionary war time period because that's where the new season takes place um and they had like all these perfumes and things like that it was really cool and then the american god side was set up um 
like a like a diner and they were giving out t-shirts and things like that which was pretty cool um and then i got to do there was like this harry potter uh experience that had like that was ba- it was a hyping up the audiobooks i believe and like they had like these cool like low experiences where you could listen to like a bunch of different um snippets and things like that and i did the overwatch payload tour experience which was a lot of fun um and those are kind of like the little things that I don't usually do. And I got to spend time at like the Marvel Contest of Champions booth, which is like a game that I like to play. And I went through like, I got to see like all the book stands and all the toy stands. And I like, I had such a good time just like enjoying it. I got to meet Claudio Sanchez, the lead singer of Coheed and Cambria, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, like that was the kind of stuff I did. And like, you don't miss the panels. You don't like you just have so much time to do everything else that you don't even realize you're missing the panels. Yeah, yeah. Did the so did the interviews that both of y'all did? Did y'all video them like they've been videoing the other interviews for Multiversity that have been going up? This no, week? I didn't. You didn't? Okay. No, all mine were audio. Okay. Um, okay. They should be going up uh, soon-ish, I think. Okay. Okay. What well, What was it like? This is. So I, I know that like, like Brian, Vince and Zach talked about this earlier on their DC three cast episode this week. This is the first time that they had all met together. There were like 15 different multiversity people at New York comic con this year. What was it like being with all the different people from, from our site and everything? So Jess is going to have a slightly different perspective because she can compare it to previous years. Um, but for me, yeah, it was super cool. Like we, I've been, part of the site for almost two years now um so just seeing like meeting all these people online and some of them like they're fairly new and i didn't even like i i barely know their work but like all across the board everybody on the site is super nice super cool um yeah i it wasn't like um i don't know where i was going with that (laughs) sorry but um yeah, it was it was just a really nice experience having everybody there because we all work together and it's not like we were all completely new to each other because um, we all, you know, have the same goals in mind. Um, and I feel like that's a big thing about our site. Like we all sort of strive to make all of comics like to review and analyze and like push the medium forward. Um, and it's sort of an unspoken thing. We're all just very passionate people. And I think when you put us all together, uh, you can feel that. Sure. Sure. Just what, what about, what about you? So like, like I said, this is like the fourth time I've gone as press. And, uh, usually I get to see, I usually see Brian every year and I'm always really excited to see him and hang out with him. And, Usually, like, one or two other people may show up, so it's usually maybe four or five people at the most that go. So this was, like, my first year getting to see, like, a lot of people who I've been with on the site, and I've never seen them. Um, Like, I got to meet Vince and Zach for the first time, and I've, like, known them now for so long, and... um, Yeah, it was really nice. It, It was so nice, and so exciting to have so many people there and excited about just doing like comic stuff with multiversity um because i think this is like the best the site has ever been we have so many contributors doing so many different things and and so many of them came out this year so it was like 
it was great. It was, it was really special. The dinner we had, like that was really special to me. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I was, I was jealous seeing all the, all the pictures. I, I told Brian next year, next year for sure. I was going to go. Yeah. And, Kevin, and Jess and I were laughing. We, we hung out uh, right after the con ended and like literally the second we exited the convention center, you texted us like, Hey guys, what's up? When are we going to record this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, I was just like, like, just like on Twitter constantly all weekend, just like on Slack, just like, okay, I'm ready. Like I want to write things. Like I'm ready. Like I, I want to feel like I'm there or I want to feel like I'm doing something like I was, oh, I wish I had gone. It would have been fun. Womp womp. Uh, Cool. So final question. Well, since obviously since we are a Marvel podcast, um, you'll just, Nick, Jess, you said you didn't go to any of the panels. Nick, I don't think you said you didn't go to any of the Marvel panels, but what was, how did, what was like Marvel's, Marvel's presence like at, at New York Comic Con? And then we'll take a break and we'll get into the, some of the things that they announced while y'all were there. Oh my, I hate, oh my God. Okay. So even though I like a lot of what Marvel's putting out right now, I hate their booth so much. <laughs> um, it's kind of in the way. It's always kind of a thing when Marvel's there because Marvel. So basically, what DC has done now is they have like they go off. Um, they're off the main room, like the main show floor. They're like off to the side, and they set up like a quiet press area. They give out stuff, and they set up uh, whatever whatever the next big movie is going to be, they have like the costumes there. So it's like plenty of room to take photos with things. And like, they, they'll they do like giveaways and things there. And they have like their own little autographing area set up and it's completely out of the way. Marvel does all of that on a stage in the middle of the room. <laughs> so what happens is anytime there's anyone even like sort of famous up there, it's like the worst part of the whole floor to go near because you have everyone just standing there seeing what's going on, which rightfully so. Like if the cast of Daredevil is up there doing question and answer, like I'm, I'm going right, to go check right. it out. But it's like, it's like in the way it, it they kind of make like they cause traffic, but it's also kind of great that they do all that stuff at their booth because, you know, it's like, they don't have to, they could just do their signings and whatever and be done with it. But like they do a bunch of stuff on their stage, including a cosplay contest, which I was watching from the press room. Cause like the, the window was like overlooking it, which was kind of cute. They had like all ages and everything. It was really cute. Um, but they cause traffic <laughs> and, and I love what they do, but I just wish that they would also kind of pick it all up and do what DC does and like go elsewhere. Because they have the stage, and they have the giveaways, and they have the autographing area, and it's just a lot to put right in the middle of the room. Sure, sure, sure. Nick, what did, yeah. what did you think? This is sort of going back to what I was saying at the beginning. Um, so Marvel's booth, it's a little bit bigger than most of the other comic publisher booths. Um, and it's like it's bigger than a lot of like the smaller, like way bigger than the small press booths and things like that. But um, overall... Like, if you look at them compared to the entire show floor, like, it's it's crazy to think how, like, are they really the biggest, like, people here? Or, like, do they really have the biggest sway in comics anymore? And I think absolutely not. Like, everything else combined, Marvel can't stand up to that. 
and it just made me think a lot about how um like how the direct market is just not the big picture of comics anymore and i think that a lot of people are starting to recognize it because even though like jess said like there was always some big traffic uh near their booth uh a lot of the other bigger comics publishers that were you know non-superhero uh had some maybe not crowds but they always had a lot of people around in that area um yeah, so it just made me think about Marvel's place in uh, like comics as a whole, and uh, I mean, I still I still love Marvel just as I love DC, uh, but I think if people are completely focused on superhero comics, I think they should start branching out because there's so much other great stuff going on here. Let me just say that I think it's wild that. So when you go to Comic-Con, a lot of book publishers have their own really small little areas and you can buy, you can basically buy any comic you want if you go to like a a vendor or something or like one of the comic shops that set up a stand. It's crazy to me that Scholastic does not actually have a booth. Um, cause I spent some time at a couple of the, of the book publishers. I ended up picking some like ran like non-comic stuff up. Um, I went to like Abrams and Del Rey and Tor and Quirk and it, they had a selection of like, um, younger reader books. And I saw a lot of people buying that stuff, like picking it up. And like on Sunday, especially I was buying a couple, I bought these two X-Files novels and this couple was sitting, was standing there and they were picking out like a couple graphic novels that they were going to buy for their kids. And it's so, I found one booth, one booth selling anything by, by Raina Telgemeier. And I thought that was insane. I, I feel like Scholastic is crazy for not putting out money to do like an actual booth and sell a bunch of their books every year when they're like killing it in the book market right now. Like they, I know it's like comic market, the direct market is different from the book market, but like, I feel like something like Comic-Con is everything. So it's like crazy to me that they don't have something there. Cause I think that that would be really fun. I mean, it, for me, it would be especially cause like I could buy stuff that I don't usually see anywhere else. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, and it's, that to that point, especially because that because Reina announced like her next year, like books that are coming out next year, uh, while while there, so like it totally would have made sense for Scholastic to be just like hawking all of her stuff. Um, yeah, I um, so I actually want to change my answer from before. I said the coolest part was uh, just like meeting people. I think I'd I'd change that to the coolest part was the Reina Telgemeier panel which took place uh, in a separate building. It wasn't even part of the Javits Center, Um, but it was an event that people could buy tickets to even if they didn't have Comic-Con badges. And so there were like 100 or 200 like kids, mostly young girls uh, there who were just enamored with with Rin Telgemeier. And like she did a live draw and her announcing her new book. And it was just so great to see and it goes back to what I was saying about how like the comics market is so much more than uh, like the big two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it made me feel like comics were truly so alive and the next generation is going to keep it like much healthier than it ever has been. Sure, sure. That's that's really cool. That's that's awesome. Um 
Y'all have any other any other thoughts before we take a quick break? If you follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to find my photos of me dressed as Zoya the Destroyer from Glow. I saw two others, and let me tell you, they were not as awesome. As I <laughs> so just, just won I the am, Zoya. I won the Zoya contest. I don't care what anyone says. Mm-hmm. In my heart, I know I won. There you go. There you go. Cool. Um, final thoughts from me. Definitely going to go again next year. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Nice. Everyone, but everyone needs to come a day earlier so we can all go to dinner or lunch at Holston's with Vince and live out <laughs> the final episode of The Sopranos because that's the restaurant. <laughs> we all need to do it. Good. We'll all live out the last episode. I'll go across the street and not be able to park a car in a three car wide spot. And then Vince could be Tony Soprano. <laughs> Perfect. 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 We're doing it. Perfect. Awesome. That's the that's the DC three and make my multiversity crossover. That's what's going to be <laughs> crossover episode. What is this a crossover episode anyway? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with all of the news from New York Comic Con after this. My name's Matt and I'm Wes, and together we host That's the Issue, the comic book podcast that gets to know you through the issues that you love. Every month we take a random, tangent-filled look through comic books and pop culture. And along the way we cover everything from Doink the Clown to Mr. Blobby. Don't ask about the Mr. Blobby, we don't ask about the Mr. Blobby. (laughs) We do also talk about comic books as well. Like the weirdest comic books in your collection or your favourite comic book movies. So join us on the third Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com or wherever podcasts are found. Blobby, blobby, blobby! (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd do that well, that's why I put it at the end. And we're back. Uh, Marvel announced uh, a good handful of uh, books and other fun things coming for January and the rest of spring 2019. They also talked a little bit about their uh, 80th anniversary in 2019 at the New York Comic Con. So we'll start with uh, the one sort of big thing that they announced before the con started and then get into the things that were uh, announced at at New York Comic Con proper. So first and foremost, uh, a few days before the con, Marvel announced that Captain Marvel would be relaunching in January after the end of the Life of Captain Marvel miniseries. So Kelly Thompson will be the new writer of Captain Marvel. And then Carmen Carnero and Tamara Bond villain are uh, the art creative team. Carnero has also now signed an exclusive contract with Marvel that was revealed this last weekend as well. Uh, so Carol is back in New York. She's got the long hair. She's not doing the Alpha Flight shenanigans anymore. She's getting a relaunch before her fancy new movie. And uh, yeah, so uh, what are y'all's initial thoughts on uh, new Captain Marvel stuff? Jess, we'll we'll start with you. Um, that's a pretty creative team. I'm I'm really happy that like Carmen Carnero got signed to an exclusive deal because she's got some great art. Um. I've seen like some of her Dragon Age stuff. That was pretty good. I don't really know a lot about Dragon Age, but I've seen like pages from it because I do the Dark Horse solicitations. And so I've seen like some of it. Um, yeah, no, it's good. It's a good team. And Tamara Bonville and like she's amazing. Like I think she's she's easily like top five colorists in comics right now for me. And and yeah, that's a really good get. Um, I always kind of like my Carol with short hair. I don't know. I always I like the I like the the mohawk helmet. I always liked when she had short hair. So, but that's that's not a huge. I always like the yeah. short hair. Um, I I mean I have a weird thing about like superheroes and like 
depending on who the superhero is, I feel like they should have short hair anyway. It seems like it's more practical to deal with as a superhero. Like, if I were a superhero, I'd have my hair back all the time because it would always be in a way it would be annoying. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, I thought the Alpha Flight idea was not bad. They just didn't really do much with it. Um, I, I like Carol kind of doing mm-hmm. stuff in space. Um, I always felt that that kind of that kind of made her unique to a lot of, of the other main Avengers characters, but yeah, I mean, it's a good team. So I'm, I'm here for it. Like I'm, I'm going to read it. It's, it's a no question for me. I don't know. I don't know how great it'll be, but it's a good team. So I have some faith in it. Sure. 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 Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with you on the, I think the Carol being the head of alpha flight and having that space station and all that was a, was a great idea. And the first few issues of that series that started off that status quo they were written by the um, those like the showrunners of Agent Carter or something, and Chris Anka was on art, uh, and that was like really good for a few like for a few issues, and then it didn't really go anywhere because Civil War Two happened, uh, and just kind of yeah did did no no great favors to Carol Danvers. Um, so so yeah, I think I think this this is a, a really a really good creative team. I liked Carnero a lot doing like the DC bombshell stuff. Um, and her recent stuff on X-Men, right. has also been really, very good. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Nick, what are you, what are your initial thoughts on, on Captain Marvel? Uh, <coughs> sorry. Um, <clears throat> I thought it's, it was funny how for a while we were like, like after Kelly Thompson signed, uh, an exclusive with Marvel, we kept on being like, where's all the Kelly Thompson books? Where's all the Kelly Thompson books? And then like every episode for the last few episodes, she's had one or two books announced. Um, so I think it's awesome that she's getting so much work. Um, again, like Jess was saying, Tamara Bondolan, so great, so great. Love her. Um, and it's cool that it's an all-women team, um, which is something you don't get very often. That's all I have. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It has felt like the past, uh, you know, two or three episodes, it's been like, and Kelly Thompson's doing this thing and Kelly Thompson's now doing this thing. And uh, she is, she's got, she's got a slew of, of books coming out. She's basically writing like all the white women at Marvel now. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, and I'm okay with that. Like, I think, I think she's a great writer and I think, we got a lot of good, good, exciting things coming from her in 2019. Cool. Okay, so moving right along. So mentioned a few minutes ago that 2019 is Marvel's 80th anniversary. Uh, really, it's Timely Comics' 80th anniversary, but Marvel's going to claim retroactively that it's Marvel Comics' 80th anniversary. Um, but they just wish they had the uh, legacy that DC has. Yeah, I guess something like that. Something like that. Uh, something like that. I don't know. It's I guess I guess truly the only because it would be like the 80th anniversary of Captain America, and mm-hmm. no, no, because Captain America was created in 41. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like the company that ended up making Captain America and Human Torch and Namor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's. Uh, like there are a few other golden age books. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Marvel Marvel as people know it today, like that pretty much started in the 60s. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's it really does seem like a 
we have this thing that we can take full advantage of and we have a new editor in chief who's kind of resetting everything. So let's just, let's just do it. Um, so with that, they are doing one shots of a bunch of their uh, titles from the golden age for, for all of 2019. So starting in January, we're getting a crypt of shadows one shot, which is apparently a title that, that was a part of timely comics back in the thirties and forties. That's going to be written by Al Ewing with art by Gary Brown and others. We're getting a journey into unknown worlds. One shot, another title from Marvel's golden age or Timely's golden age um, set of series from writers, Colin Bunn, Clay McLeod Chap- Chapman, and then art by Francesco, Francesco Mana and others. And then we're getting a war is hell. One shot written by Howard Chaikin and, I think Philip Kennedy Johnson's a writer, not an artist, I think. Um, And then other creative people. We're also for the entire uh, year of 2019 getting Marvel Comics Presents, which I think is a series that ran a long, long time ago and probably has history and stuff. And that will be, it will be an anthology book that comes out monthly uh, with the likes of Charles Soule, Ann Nacenti, Greg Pak, Paulo Sicaria, and others. Um, they've already said that the one shots coming in February will be of the likes of like Gunhawks and Love Romances, apparently also titles that came out in the Golden Age. And we'll get probably news on that as they come. Um, so Nick, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this sort of a year-long nostalgia fest for... Oh, not really nostalgia. I guess probably most of the people that would have read these books are dead. But <laughs> yeah, it's what we were saying about like it's weird. It's not weird. It it seems like Marvel maybe is jealous of all of the like seventy fifth anniversary and like eightieth anniversary, like eighty years of action comics, action comics a thousand, the things that DC has going on right now, and they're like, oh, we need to we need to like do something to compete. And um, it, it doesn't really... Is that your, is that your C.B. Sabolsky voice? <laughs> no, my C.B. Sabolsky voice would be uh, so racist that I can't say it online. Um, <laughs> uh, Akira Yoshida, those jokes, never old. Um, it will never go away. Never. Uh, so anyway, yeah, none of these titles are things that anybody cares about other than uh, Marvel Comics Presents, which started i think in the 60s or 70s um yeah but then like the the titles from the golden age like they're not things that really inspired anything or had any great impact on comics or are remembered at all so i I think it's it's funny that they're bringing it back but at the same time that is history it does exist and i mean if they can get a good few books out of it why not um, but I also, it's not that I doubt they'll be good, but like the way that this sort of thing usually goes, it's like it happens and then everybody forgets about it two seconds later. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to buy a war book by Howard Chaikin. Um, but, but you're like, you're right. Like it is, it is sort of, it's a, it's a celebratory thing. It's a reminding people that, there is all this rich history. All these titles did exist. And I mean, the, you know, the, like the Al Ewings and the, um, and like the Charles souls and the Anna and the Greg Pox of the 
of the world. Like those are those are high quality creators. Um, so it's not like they're snicket they're sticking like schmucks on these books and it's you know going to be like oh well let's just like test the waters with all these all these sort of like new creators that we can just like find in the in the creative world own world which actually that might be kind of fun anyway but um it it's sort of like now that i'm thinking more it would be like if dc were to suddenly do like a leave it to binky month like nobody remembers that <laughs> nobody cares uh it yeah it's and it's we're getting weird. it for a year yeah <laughs> yeah 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 that is that is sort of interesting i don't i think you know like it'll be interesting insofar as is uh marvel will be publishing a lot of different genres of books it sounds like in 2019 like they'll like you know i don't think that there are a lot of comic book companies that publish romance comics still that aren't like really really like sexist and scantily clad women-y erotica romancy kind of comics um which nothing nothing wrong with a high quality erotica but when it's like dudes drawing just just dudes drawing like scantily clad unproportioned women i think that's like the norm for romance comics in the modern age of comics but i could be wrong jess jess what say you what you weigh in on on this Um this debate I mean, the one shots could be good. Uh, I don't know, like, if I'll be interested in many of them at all. But I'm, I'd be interested to see, like, I, I mean, I'd be interested to see what they, what when they get solicited, what they actually say. Because uh, during the Secret Wars event, there was a see, there was a romance one shot, and it was like, in my opinion, the best one shot and best thing they did during that whole event. It was so good. Um, there was a story with Squirrel Girl. She won a date with Thor, and that was really funny. And then there was the cutest, like, a few-page story of Misty Knight and Danny Rand, like, years into the future. And it was, like, the cutest thing um, that I think I've ever read at a Marvel <laughs> in a Marvel comic. It was so cute and so sweet and so honestly pure that it was just so it was just so great um that whole one shot was really really good and if they do something like that with like the romance um one shot then that then that could be like that's something i'll definitely pick up um but like the rest of them like i don't know like i don't i don't care about hair how uh chicken uh i don't care about him um he's trash anyway um uh <laughs> Um, yeah. Crypt, Crypt of Shadows could be good because it's Al Ewing and like he's really good at doing what he does. Um, but I don't, I don't know. The rest of them are kind of, kind of eh. But yeah, I mean, it's fine to do this. It's like it's they know who they're trying to sell these books to, and they are one shot, so it's not like it's not like I don't think they're really taking advantage of readers too much by not making them like full on series. Um, but yeah, it really is going to depend, like when they're solicited, what they, what they're, what the solicit actually says, and if that's something that's interesting to me. But um, I am curious to see what they look like. I don't know how many I'll actually read, but if the romance one is anything like that Secret Wars one, then that is something I'm all over because that was, that was a joy. That was that was a fantastic read. Sure, that is an interesting. You, you, uh, I just had an interesting thought just now based on what you just said if these one shots will feature uh, like current 
like Marvel characters or like iterations of current Marvel characters from like forever and ever ago, or if they will feature like the characters from those, those books when they came out or if, you know, or if they'll feature like, like brand new characters and sort of be like one and done one shots with like new characters in like a modern sense or, or what um, I think, cause I think you could go a lot of different avenues with that. Um, and I have, yeah, go ahead, Nick. And yeah, uh, I sort of want to clarify my point from earlier with what you guys were saying. Um, like, there's nothing wrong with bringing back an older concept and having a new take on it. And there's nothing wrong with, like, in using current characters to, like, bring back an older concept, something like that. Um, it just feels like this is the sort of editorially mandated thing where they're just doing it because they feel like they have to. And then that extends out into the creative teams and then it ends up not being anybody's sure, best work sure. it has the potential like a lot of these sorts of celebratory one shots do or weird this month one shots to be either fantastic or just like utter shit so i think we will see when we get there um we'll move in right along and then nostalgia vein uh invaders the series is coming back in January 2019. Vader's will be written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Carla Magno and Butch Geis. Um, the original Invaders team was a World War II team that starred Cap, Captain America, Bucky, the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond, and, the, and Namor. And this series will uh, pit Cap, Bucky, and he's now, you know, Winter Soldier and not like dead sidekick uh the og human torch against namor because apparently namor is going full-on villain in 2019 or whatever um it's going to be split magno is going to be doing the present day art stuff and geis is going to be doing uh like world war ii flashbacks of the team uh also a couple things to note zadarsky and magno are the team on the namor the best events one shot as a part of that uh defenders thing that's happening in december so they will be telling a, a Namor story then that may or may not lead into this. And also, uh, Invaders has had a couple of different comics. Most of them have been pretty short-lived, and the last one came out uh, in 2014. 2014-2015, it was written by James Robinson and starred all these same characters together. Um, so yeah. Uh, Jess, what do you think about Zadarsky writing some stupid, sexy Namor? Stupid, sexy Namor is really good. Uh, um, I hope Zdarsky leans into him being stupid sexy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I'm kind of like, whatever on this. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that this is something that we'll probably talk about on the podcast when, like, on here when it, um, launches. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't really have an opinion on this. I don't, I'm just glad Chip Zdarsky's doing more stuff with, with Marvel. I mean, this could be good. I mean, I haven't disliked anything he's done at Marvel. So yeah, this, this could be good. I don't know though. Sure. 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 Yeah. I, I guess like when I think Marvel invaders is not the first thing that I think, like I for, forget very often that all of these characters um, were a team or like were historically a team, because I think that we're so far removed from that world war two moment and that moment of, all of these characters being created and coming together that it just feels uh, like it feels odd. Maybe like I read one of these invaders comics or like parts of it um, 
that like the new invaders comics from like 2004 that Chuck Austin wrote. Um, that was like around the same time that Jeff Johns was writing Avengers and then it's transitioned to Brian Michael Bendis writing Avengers stuff. Um, that was Johns, right? Johns wrote Avengers things at one point. He wrote, okay. Um, and it was just like kind of weird and I didn't really know what yeah. the hell was going on. And I, I'm not saying that the series is going to be anything like that, but I think like this is very much grounded in sort of a historical, what historical Marvel thing, like a world war two thing that I guess I just don't feel any sort of affinity towards or anything, but that might just be me. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I feel like this is an example of the good type of, relaunching characters from your past um so i just looked it up the first time that the team actually appeared together was or like the first time that they were like in a comic together as the invaders was uh avengers number 71 which had cover date of december of 1969 um but they are all the characters who were on the team uh at least the four uh, who are going to be in this new series. Um, they were all a part of the original Timely comics uh, that are Timely or Atlas or both. I don't, I don't know. Both? I don't remember. I don't, I don't know if Namor um, was, I don't know if Namor was Timely or Atlas. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a Google. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but the, the predecessors to Marvel, um, they were all, like characters that were created in the forties. And so like Marvel keeps on trying to bring them back uh, as a team. And I I think that's interesting. And in this case, it feels like there is a creative team that has a real idea of where to go with it. And they have a creative direction and they have a story that they want to tell. And I think that's very, very different from the one shots, uh, like the 80th anniversary things that they're just bringing back for the sake of bringing back. So I'm actually looking forward to this. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it has it very much has the potential to be really, really good. And I love like Jess said, and I totally agree, like I've loved all of Zdarsky's Marvel stuff. Um like I'm super sad that the Marvel two and one is apparently ending with issue 12. Um, Cause he just did a great job on, on that series. And I think he very much gets who these characters are and who they have always been. And I think, and he, and Zdarsky did say on his Twitter that like Namor and Cap are like two of his favorite Marvel characters. And he's like super excited about getting to write them. So I think um, as, as, uh, part of like, you know, the nostalgia factor or whatever of celebrating 80, 80 anniversaries of, of, of Marvel or timely or Atlas or whatever being a thing like this, this is a, this is a good way to do it and could really be a good way to do it. So, yeah. Um, moving right along. Uh, Marvel is releasing starting in January, a adaptation of Wolverine, the long night written by Brent Ben Percy illustrated by Marcio Takara uh Wolverine the Long Night is a podcast uh it's a uh, so that's they've done one season a 12 episodes of one season of a podcast Marvel did it collaboratively with Stitcher um and the podcast actually just launched on all platforms after being just exclusive to like the Stitcher VIP or whatever the hell service thing you could pay for 
Um, so Percy also wrote all the scripts for the podcast, which starred, um, you know, Richard Armitage as, uh, as the voice of Wolverine. Um, this is his first published comic book work at Marvel after doing a lot of stuff at DC and writing some novels and things. Um, so yeah, so Nick, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on, on going from podcast to, to comic? Uh, this is cool. Um, <laughs> my first thought about Ben Percy is that he supposedly left his run on Nightwing at DC because he w- wanted to focus on, uh, like I think a TV adaptation of one of his books. And it's funny to see him now all of a sudden up here at Marvel doing a book. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I didn't know that he actually wrote that podcast. Um, I haven't, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He read all of it. Yeah. yeah, I haven't listened to any of it, but I wonder. I, I it's just it's an interesting proposition <laughs> because podcasts. I was talking to someone the other day who was trying to make like an audio drama, and it's so different from working in a visual medium, uh, just because like you don't have the visuals to help things along, like everything has to be carried through the dialogue and you have to not be too heavy handed and uh, you have to deliver information in a way that's still interesting. Um, And so when you bring that into a comic, I just wonder it's going to feel a lot different. It's going to breathe in a very different way because you have the visuals to rely on to deliver a lot of that information. So I don't know how they're going to approach it, um, ben Percy and Marcio Takara have worked on a lot of comics before. Um, so I'm sure that they have an idea of what they're doing. I wonder if they're just going to basically take like, okay, this is a story. We had it in this other medium, but we're going to go back to the core story. And now we're going to tell it in a completely different way. So I think it's going to be interesting, uh, an interesting storytelling experiment to compare the two. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be interesting too, just to see um, because the podcast is twelve episodes. I think the first season is twelve episodes, um, and they haven't announced how many uh, issues this is going to be. So whether or not they're going to do like a a thirty minute chapter per comic book issue or or what, um, and it's kind of interesting. Yeah, like you were saying, Nick, that like the like podcast being such you know an audio like I mean only an audio medium and comics being a you know a visual medium um how you go from one to the other uh and maybe marvel feels sort of emboldened to do this since uh like the uh the adventure zone graphic novels from like the mcelroy brothers are happening based on like their their podcast thing so like they can they've seen that it, it can be done um and that like you know the graphic novel spent i think it might still be on like the the new york times like bestseller list or it definitely was like first on there whatever the graphic novel ones come under or whatever it was when the week that it came out and it sold a lot. So, so yeah, like it, this, this will be really interesting. I don't know if I necessarily will read it. Like I like Ben Percy and I like Marcia Takara, but, and I haven't, I haven't listened to any of the podcast stuff also, but I don't know. It could be, it could be interesting. Um, Jess, what, what say you, what do you, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really listen to many podcasts in all honesty. Um, which is probably a terrible thing to say as somebody who's on a podcast, but I don't really listen to that many podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting concept. It's interesting to bring 
an audio only uh story to a visual medium so yeah no that'll be interesting to see um I like Ben Percy on Green Arrow, so I think this could be good. I'm, I'm hoping it is. It's a, especially if it's like, if, especially since it is a one and done kind of story um, that doesn't seem to tie to anything else. Yeah, I, that could be really good. I, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, I'm curious about some of this stuff because I, so uh, the the Wolverine the Long Night the podcast it hasn't been greenlit for a second season yet, and it I, I feel like it probably will. But Percy has like has some some quotes and some like interviews or other like public comments where he's said like he hopes that something like this leads into like a like Marvel podcast universe. And if they're adapting this one into a comic, what's going to stop them from adapting those other podcasts into a comic? And then all of a sudden you have sort of this comic podcast world thing that I think could be kind of interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, moving on, and then we'll get into the clusterfuck that was the Marvel Next Big Thing panel. Um, so Marvel is relaunching Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man as a title, written by Tom Taylor, and then illustrated by Juan Cabal. So this is sort of a micro-level Spidey book, Spider-Man doing things around you know around his neighborhood, being Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, probably i guess in some in some ways to replace uh the peter parker spectacular spider-man book that i think is wrapping up basically at the end of spider-geddon um this is only the second title to have the name friendly neighborhood spider-man the first series was written by peter david illustrated by todd knock and it ran from 2005 to 2007 it tied into the one more day stuff and i think that's where it ended um so that's kind of interesting. Taylor and Cabal, they worked together on All New Wolverine. Uh, and then Cable was Cabal was still the uh, artist on X-23 after it relaunched, at least for the first arc. So yeah, uh, we talk a lot about how much we like Tom Taylor on this show. Um, so Jess, we'll start with you. What do you think about Taylor moving to some Spidey stuff? Um, it's I think it's a good fit for him. Um I just don't know if I'm going to read another Spider-Man book in all honesty. So yeah, I don't know. It, this will have to be something I try out before I'm totally sold, but the team is really good. Um, I was a big fan of the all new Wolverine book. So I think, yeah, I think, I think this could be really good. I'm just not, it's just going to be something I have to try and see if it's something that, that I stick with. Sure, sure. Nick, what do you what do you think about about some friendly neighborhood? Um, like we've said, everything Tom Taylor does, we pretty much like whether we read it or not. Like we have faith that it's going to turn out well, and it pretty much always does. So, same here. Uh, otherwise, no real thoughts. Yeah, I my only thought with this, I'm so I'm excited that he's writing a Spidey book. I wish he was doing X-Men related stuff because I thought that's kind of where we all thought he was going because X-Men Red seems to be winding down. It's sort of long narrative. Um, and I'm just curious when one of the big two will give Tom Taylor a book that actually matters and has a lot of consequences because he's a great writer and I like all of his work, I think is is just really, really solid and really, really fun. And 
like just v- and very much respectful, respective and like grounded and everything that's come before it and like plays on a lot of different uh, fun things like that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. This is also like just the small scale, like just doing fun little, like not always fun, but you know, like just little micro level, like you said, things around the neighborhood. Um, that's just the type of comic that I like reading. So I'm definitely going to be reading this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, you know, having a Spidey book, that's not, not tied into this, that, and the other event is definitely important. Um, and, and, and yeah, those kinds of books in the Marvel universe that have less consequences are a lot of fun and like get a lot of fun, creative teams. Um, yeah, I just wish I just, I want, like, I want, I want the best for Tom Taylor. I love Tom Taylor. I want him to be writing all the books and yeah, that's all. That's all. Um, Cool. Well, we'll get into the other big, big book that Marvel launched uh, that Marvel's launching in January. And then we'll talk about the Marvel next big thing panel. So announced on Sunday, uh, Marvel is relaunching black widow. It was announced at the woman of Marvel panel it's going to be written by Jen and Sylvia Saska, who are their sisters, obviously, and their filmmakers. They've done some comic book stuff here and there at, at Marvel, like some issues, never a full series. And it's going to be drawn by Flaviano. Um, so it's going to deal with uh, some of the fallout from Secret Empire in which uh, Natasha died, was killed by Hydra Cap. Um, she's back in a weird clone body thing. I recently read the, the tales of suspense, uh, like five issue arc that Matt, Matthew Rosenberg and Trevor Foreman did that, that brought black widow back and, and brought, you know, Hawkeye and, uh, and winter soldier together to kind of track her down. Um, and basically she's just going to go murder some people in Madripoor and that's kind of where we're going with this. So, so Jess, we'll, we'll start with you. What do you think about, about Black Widow things. I am such a big fan of the Sasuke sisters. (laughs) I didn't even know about this until I was reading the notes. I was like, oh my God, they're doing a a book at Marvel. Um, Yeah, no, they're great. They, I'm a big horror fan and like their movies are like completely inspired by like the ground, the grindhouse scene. So like they're very violent, um, usually feature like, um, uh, lead female characters doing like really dark twisted shit and it's great um, and they've also they're also big Hitchcock fans so they kind of it's weird because like you think that I would nitpick so much at this but like they love killing off blonde girls like um, which is like <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> which is like a Hitchcock thing like yeah. he was always fixated on the blondes they kind of are too but they do it in like a really different way and it's like they're they don't have a ton of stuff they've done um, but they're really interesting. I really find them really interesting. And um, yeah, them writing a Black Widow book, that's really kind of a weird fit, but I'm here for it. Um, yeah, and especially if she's just running around murdering people in Madripoor, like that, that's that's right up their alley. Like that's, that's going to be such a violent book. I am so pumped up. I don't even care about Black Widow, but like I don't like I'm I'm like I'm like the person who's like, why do we need a Black Widow movie? There's other cool uh, superheroes, uh, women superheroes that we could do, and we could do movies of, and they're just like, no, Black Widow. She's like our poster girl right now, and I'm like, but I don't care about her. But 
Sasuke sisters are really cool, and I am very much interested in this book. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think so. So you think they might play up some more of the like of the horror aspect of of like Natasha just like marking people and. I hope so. (laughs) I mean, I really do. Like, um, they have a couple movies that are pretty good. Like, uh, they did American Mary, which was like, she was basically, um, like she was, the main character was like a medical student who was like super desperate about making money. And like, she started doing like, like crazy, uh, plastic surgery, like body modification for people. Um, to solve like her money it's like her her money troubles and like all the stuff she does is like completely insane but like the reason she does it kind of makes sense even though it's like what the hell are you doing but like the movie is like really gory and really kind of gross and like so if you're not into that don't watch it but um i really like it i i think that um they have a really interesting point of view with how they do how they create violence with women um so i really think this could be good i mean i don't think it's going to be like life-changing um or groundbreaking but i think there's going to be some stuff in there that's going to be really interesting to talk about when it comes to uh how fictional women are written with violence yeah 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 they definitely in their in their interview that they did played up that they just want to write black widow being bad which i think I think a lot of times that I hear like women talking about writing other women who are not just like paragons of virtue. They're just like, yeah, I just like want to, I just want to write them being like, like, like bad people because women, like women in a lot of mediums don't often get to be like, like bad, like, but like from a perspective, not from like, but like from a perspective, that's like, they're the main character in the book. Not like that they're being bad because they're like the like female fatale or they're just like the, like the evil woman stereotype thing or whatever. No, it's great. I think like right now we're seeing a lot of publishers and movie uh, filmmakers and things like that trying to do, trying to make women like more of their focus. But a lot of the time they want to give us these really great heroic women or these complicated, I guess, women who do maybe strange kind of unseemly things. Um, But somehow we're supposed to keep cheering. Somehow we keep cheering for them. I just want, like, really garbage, like, I want, like, how we have really garbage, shitty men characters, like, I want those kinds of women characters, like, we have room for all of that, we don't have to like every single woman in fiction, we can hate them, that's okay, so I kind of like the idea of them taking someone, um, and doing, and having them be bad, because they're just bad people, and, I, I guess you could argue maybe Black Widow's not the right character to do that with, but she is a murderer, and she's yeah, that's literally not about. you know she's not exactly secretive about that. So I, I think this could be really interesting. I really mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nick, what do you what do you think? No comment. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I don't really. Um, that's not my sort of thing, like mm-hmm. men or women. I think it's cool that it's equal, but uh, yeah, it's not my kind of book. Sure, sure. It seems like it's going to be kind of a 180 from the Mark Wade, Chris Samney, Black Widow book, which was less her being bad and more her like being framed and doing shield things. But but yeah. Um, all right. 
And now we're on to the Marvel Next Big Thing panel where Marvel pretty much dropped uh, all of their big news of New York Comic Con. Uh, they didn't give a lot of details, which made covering the thing not a lot of fun. Um, having to type a lot of this stuff up from uh, hundreds of miles away um, was not fun because I wasn't there and I couldn't listen to a lot of things and they didn't give us a lot of images and they didn't formally announce a lot of things, but whatever, we have it all. So it was a pretty stuffed panel. Uh, they had all of so like like Donny Cates and Dan Slott and Jason Aaron and Jim Zub and Carmen Carnero and others were on the panel and they were talking about all the things that Marvel has coming up early 2019. So they talked about the or in late 2018. So they talked about the Fantastic Four wedding and how it's really happening. And Dan Slott talked about its Iron Man run and talked about how issue five is an Arno Stark centric event. So it's not even going to include Tony at all. And apparently issue six of his Iron Man run retailers haven't ordered enough of or whatever, you know, how comic writers think that their things are fancy and important and are going to sell and be speculative and blah, 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 blah. And then after Jason Aaron talked about his and Mamada Srar's upcoming Conan the Barbarian series that launches in January, the panel turned to announcing things. So, we are getting a second Conan book in February, The Savage Sword of Conan. It's another Conan title that has existed before. It's going to be written by Jerry Duggan, illustrated by Ron Garney, covers by Alex Ross. And it was also announced that both this and the Conan book that Aaron and Israr are writing will be getting backup serialized novellas in all the issues. So we lost we lost Jess for this uh, talk of the Marvel Next Big Thing panel. She she went uh, on to the great uh, podcast world in the sky, but she'll be back at the end of the month. Um, so Nick, uh, what do you think about more Con- more Conan? And would you? I think we talked about this last episode, but would you read either of these books? No, <laughs> no, like <laughs> yeah, not even not- at all. Yeah, last time we talked about how, like, I didn't even realize that anybody still cared about Conan. Uh, but apparently enough people do that they are, in, like, they have two books now. So that's pretty crazy, but I'm still not going to read them. <laughs> that's true. It is, I mean, they they look good. Like, I love Garney and Israr as artists. Um, and I think the idea of, like, the backup novellas is something that would be more interesting than me than actually reading the comic. I mean, like if I read the comic, I would just look at all the art and wouldn't really read the series, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that Marvel is happy that they have Conan. Yeah. And some people are definitely happy about this. So sure. good for them. Good for them. <laughs> good for them. Cool. Well, then they moved on to bigger, bigger and broader things. So, the Avengers No Surrender events, the 16 week weekly 16 issue weekly series written by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub, with art by Perry Perez and Pepe Larraz and um, Kim Kim Jacinto, is getting a sequel, and it's going to be called Avengers No Road Home. It's going to start in February. 
It's going to be a 10-issue weekly event written by the same three people, but this time art by Paco Medina and Sean Izaxi, who actually did some of the art on uh, No Surrender, um, with covers by Yasmin Putri. So it will definitely include some of the characters from No Surrender um, and some new ones. So it's we know, based on sort of the covers and on some of the interviews that Jim Zev has done afterwards that the the series will include Hawkeye and Hercules and the Immortal Hulk and Scarlet Witch and Spectrum, so Monica Rambeau, Vision, Voyager, who was the uh, character that was inserted into continuity in No Surrender, and then also Rocket Raccoon, who I think was sort of teased by Aaron as maybe joining his Avengers, which would be weird. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think I read that somewhere. So I could find that. That would be great. Um, so there's not a whole lot of details about this series so far. Uh, they are teasing a big return and sort of development of a character like happened for, for Hulk and No Surrender because the current Immortal Hulk series, which is very good, uh, sort of spun out of No Surrender. And that's the first time that they call uh, Hulk like the immortal Hulk and all that. And he's dealing with the fact that the Hulk can't Bruce Banner's dealing with the fact that the Hulk can't die and all that. So Nick, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on Avengers? No road home. Uh, Marvel has really caught the weekly bug. Uh, I feel like they have a lot of, (coughs) they have, they have a lot of uh, weeklies that they've been announcing. I feel like the last few episodes that we've recorded, there's been one every time. Um, uh, it's, it's basically just an extension of no surrender, right? So I think, yeah, I think it's going to have like a different story, but a lot of the same characters. So yeah, yeah. same characters, yeah, yeah, same yeah. creators. It's basically like a new number one for this weekly series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't really, I didn't read no surrender and I don't really have much of an interest in it. But yeah. yeah, I read it recently. So I've been trying to, to get more caught up on mm-hmm. um, all of these back issues of, of things that I have neglected. Um, <laughs> and it was, I actually really enjoyed it. It was a really good series. It was a cool. fun sort of um, monotonous 16 issues. Uh, like it, it really didn't have a lot of consequences for anything that came in all the fresh start stuff uh, outside of the immortal Hulk stuff happening. And like the Quicksilver series that I still haven't read, but definitely mm-hmm. plan to, um, but it was fun. Like I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Like I, I definitely enjoyed reading it. So yeah, um, my thing with a lot of weekly series, I feel like, uh, I feel like they're designed to really keep you coming back like week after week. And then when you read them all together, like in one big sitting, you'll have just a large section in the middle where just not a ton happens or it's all like going off on a bunch of tangents. Uh, Did you feel that way about this or did you feel like it was well constructed? And I guess coming off of that, since this new series is only 10 issues, do you feel like it's going to be different? Um, Yeah, the middle of No Surrender was kind of odd um i so it was kind of monotonous in the middle i think the beginning of it and the end of it were a 
lot better and very good. Basically, like the middle of it is like, oh, these characters, because like because the whole premise is that like the Grandmaster and this other elder of the universe character whose name suddenly escapes me are playing this cosmic game, and so the other character, the the Grandmaster has like Thanos's Black Order as their sort of like pawns. And then this other character, I think it's like the opponent or the something, the something, whatever. Um, Takes like the Lethal Legion, which is like a historical Avengers evil team or whatever as their like pawns. And they're fighting on Earth and trying to find these like puzzle piece things. And like the some of the Avengers are frozen, and the Avengers are basically like obstacles in this game. But the Avengers, some of the Avengers end up getting some of the like little uh, talismans or whatever that they're fighting over. And so the middle was like some of that, and some of these Avengers teams trying to travel to find these different things, even though because like the Earth was taken out of orbit and it was like transported to this other place, and blah 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 blah. So it was kind of just sort of like comic book logic bullshit. Um, but it was, I don't know. Like, I think like the, the premise was really cool. I think with 10 issues, whatever this is, I feel like it'll tie in to some of the No Surrender stuff, especially because the Voyager character is is a part of this. And spoiler alert for No Surrender, she ends up being the Grandmaster's daughter who he like inserts into the Avengers continuity or history or whatever mm-hmm. as his sort of like ace in the hole um so it'll definitely carry on some of the ideas i'm sure of no surrender um but yeah i think with 10 issues it won't necessarily get bogged down in sort of the minutia as much but you're absolutely right like between so uncanny x-men will end in january this will start in february we'll talk about it in a second but there's a daredevil weekly series that's starting in january um, so yeah, Marvel has definitely caught the the weekly bug, but like the short weekly bug, not the the long weekly bug that <laughs> DC had for a while at the end of the New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was also kind of interesting that like Tom Bra- Brabor said on on his Twitter that like because No Surrender took the like the legacy numbering of Avengers, so it ran from Avengers. Six yeah. seven four or whatever to six ninety, and he said that like this yeah. ten issues will also occupy some legacy numbering of Avengers. That like Jason Aaron's Avengers will, the legacy numbering will like skip ten issues or something, and this will ha- like have happened in the middle of that, oh. and then they'll pick Weird. up on the okay. other side. Like I think that'll still publish Avengers. Like Aaron's not going to stop writing Avengers books, but like the legacy yeah. numbering in that box will move up 10 issues or something it's such a weird convoluted way of using legacy numbering which is like the exact opposite of what legacy numbering is supposed to be i agree with that yeah 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 Uh, yeah like i think legacy numbering is supposed to be accessible and this is just like a oh we're publishing a mini series but it's totally in continuity and it totally fits and yeah Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird i agree with that but I don't know. I think this could potentially be really fun. We read the first issue of No Surrender on this podcast. I can't imagine that we won't read the first issue of this also. Wait, we did? No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. 
What? Uh, I think I, I think didn't. James read it. I think it was James and Jess and I. Oh, yeah, it was a while it was ago. Back in huh? January. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was when James was mm-hmm. still here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good times. Rip James. Um. Next, they moved on to uh, to Champions. So Champions is getting a new number one in January. Also, it's still the exact same book. Still pretty much. Well, <laughs> so so I think it kind of not yet. Not not exactly. Not exactly. But... Sort of. Sort of. Sort, but so the original Champions book ran. And it was Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos. Um, not the two people that I would have picked to write a teen book in 2017 or whatever it was. Um, and then Jim Zub took over the book after Mark Wade left Avengers and finished his like Avengers Champions crossover thing. So they're relaunching in January. Jim Zub and Stephen Cummings is the new artist on the book. It was Sean Azoxy. Um, Cummings and Zub have worked together before on on Wayward, which is an image series that they that they did or have been doing or did. Um, and the roster of the champions is going to expand. It's going to include more of Marvel's teenage superheroes. And Zub teased it on this panel as sort of the Legion of Superheroes for Marvel. So it's still going to center on the five sort of original champions. I think it was six, but Teenage Cyclops is going back to his own timeline. Um, of Miles Morales and Miss Marvel and Sam Alexander's Nova and Amadeus Cho and then Viv Vision. So they're still going to be the core of this, but they're going to expand. And the new volume that Zub has done is added like Nadia and so so the new Wasp, Finstab Wasp, and then and then Ironheart. They've added Riri. Um, so we'll get more. There's also, I mentioned those multiversity interviews in the first part of the episode are... Uh, other site mate Elias Rossner did an interview with Jim Zub at New York Comic Con, and there's a video of that up on multiversitycomics.com. He talks a little bit about champions, so you should go check that out. But Nick, what do you think about this book relaunching and also basically being the same book? Uh, it's the same book. <laughs> that's that's all I have to say. I like the 14 members. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to give it a different feeling than a lot of other books have. Um, But otherwise, yeah, it's the same book. I don't know why they necessarily are relaunching. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the type of relaunch that you shouldn't do. Like this is the type of thing, like it's just a new status quo. So it's the type of thing that you start, you know, at an anniversary issue or whatever. Um, yeah, I feel like we haven't had this sort of relaunch, like all of a sudden bring in a new number one, like even though it's the same exact book. We haven't had that. <laughs> it actually hasn't been that long. It's only been about a year since Marvel Legacy. Yeah. 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 It is interesting that this book is still being published in December and then immediately moves into this new number one in January. Because um, you're right. It is. It is it's going to be very similar. It's going to have a lot of the same team members just expanding. They're expanding their mission and everything else. Um, And I think it would have made a lot more sense to relaunch this book when Zub took over the book, like six issues ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's when I would have relaunched it, but 
they made it to 25 issues. So I guess they were excited about that. <laughs> if you make it to 25, that's it. You're done. I, I think <laughs> you have to be a new, new number. That's one. like you ran the race in modern comics. You know, like you did it. Mm-hmm. You get your, your gold star. Um, I will say I did. So I was perusing. So Zub's been answering a lot of questions on his uh, website or his Tumblr or whatever it is. And then posting them on his Twitter because they didn't they didn't give a lot of details for any of these things at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel. Uh, he did say that this book was going to tie into the thing that we're going to talk about next. So um, maybe there are a lot of fun things coming up that the champions needed a newer, bigger book in order to be taken seriously or whatnot. But I don't know. So so shall we move on to the biggest thing? Yeah. Cool. So biggest thing of the panel that we know literally almost nothing about is that uh, Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman, and Matt Wilson are launching the War of the Realms in April of 2019. So this is going to sort of be the conclusion to the big mega story that Jason Aaron has been telling over the course of his six-year Thor run from the Mighty Thor to Thor with Jane Foster. I'm probably missing a step in there to the mighty Thor or no to Thor. No Thor, God of thunder to Thor to the mighty Thor with Jane Foster still to now um, Thor again. Uh, Aaron's been telling this mega story of uh, Malekith, the dark elf launching this larger war on all the nine realms and this one will see the war finally come to earth. It's exciting because Dodderman's back on art doing Thor things. This is his big, big story that he's been teasing on the Twitter that he's been working on. And we know that Jane is coming back and will have a part in the story, but we really don't know a lot else after that. Um, So Nick, what are your initial thoughts on the war of the realms? This is the kind of event that I love seeing. It's the type of event that comes organically out of a story that a creator wanted to tell and has been telling for a while. And this is just the natural progression of it. Um, so I'm I'm really happy to see that this is the next event. Um, it's cool that it's the this team on it because it's a team that I feel of all of uh, Jason Aaron's run on Thor... I feel like this art team is the one who has been most closely associated with them, uh, with him, uh, with the run. And uh, that has been, I feel, the most praised. Um, beyond that, it just makes me want to go back and finally read all those Thor comics so that I can follow this when it comes out. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I haven't I haven't finished a reread of the beginnings of his run, so I haven't gone back and read all of Thor God of Thunder, but... I think I need to now at this point to, to get all of this. I've read all of the Jane Foster stuff. Um, yeah, I told like, I totally agree with that. Like this feels like a natural progression. Um, like the story that I think Aaron was building to it's, it's great that they realized that like, Oh, this is going to be a huge all encompassing Marvel universe war. Let's give it an event. Um, yeah. And it seems, it seems you're like, you were saying like necessary and like just sort of, natural um it'll be interesting to see 
I think how a lot of the different books tie into this event, since it will be an event. Um, obviously we don't know how many issues it'll be. We just know that it's starting in April. Um, but Dodderman hasn't drawn a book since the last issue of the mighty Thor. So I'm wondering how rapid they're going to release this event come April. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Jason Aaron's Avengers run ties into this, how things like champions tie into this. I think there are a lot of other titles that could potentially tie into this. Obviously the actual Thor book that Aaron is writing will tie in. Uh, I could see things like Dr. Strange and as guardians of the galaxy and Donnie Cates's new guardians of the galaxy book. And then just like other books that we don't even know about tying into this. So I think it'll be, it'll be pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll also be interesting to see if, if this will be the end of his run, his Thor run Mm -hmm. or not. Yeah. I I feel like he can't really do anything beyond this because this is sort of what everything has led to. Yeah. 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 And his, his current Thor is already, you know, I feel like he did his whole thing with Jane Foster Thor. (laughs) And then now he's back to the original Thor. I feel like there's no other place that he can go after that. Like after this major story is done. Yeah. And I think that too, I'm curious though, because they, they, they just relaunched Thor. I mean, like in, in June. So, well, no, I guess that, I guess I'm thinking wrong because this, this book will come out in April. So mm-hmm. if it runs and it'll probably last through like, the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So if they get through the summer, he'll have written another 15, 20 issues of a Thor book. So he could be done. He could be done after that. Okay. Okay. Because I was thinking, why would they relaunch Thor again with a new writer after this? Like, it seems too soon. But this will have, this will conclude within, Mm -hmm. like, after a year of him writing another Thor book. So I guess it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I forget how time works a lot. (laughs) Um, In comics? Just... Does anybody understand? No, no, nobody gets time. Time is an illusion. Time is not real. That's what the that's what the the banner on my Twitter page says. <laughs> you would all know that if you were following me, but you are. I don't know if this, the I don't know if the three people that listen to this podcast are. But anyway, how long has this been your banner? For a while. Oh, okay, this is the first time that I'm seeing it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't go to your page very often. No, it's I fair. see you on my feed all the time. Nobody, nobody looks at my page. That's okay. Uh, that was a. It was a painting at the Contemporary Art Museum in Chicago when I visited in the spring of 2017. So you're all welcome. Anyway, all right. Our last thing. Not a lot of details about this. Also, it was announced the next day at the like exclusive Marvel panel that they do, if you have their fancy credit card or whatever, or if you have a press pass. And it was also hinted at earlier in the day. I think Newsarama ran an article about it on Saturday. Um, But we're getting a weekly series called The Man Without Fear that is supposed to be the follow-up to to Daredevil. Probably will lead into another Daredevil book since Charles Soule's run 
is ending in November after he kills Daredevil or doesn't kill Daredevil because it's comics. Um, this book's going to be written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Danilo Bayruth. And the cover of it has uh, has Matt Murdock in an older looking costume of Daredevil. And that's about all I know and can tell you at this point in time. Um, so are you sure that's Matt Murdock? I'm not. I'm really not. It might be another man without okay. fear. There are a lot of men that don't have fear. Mm-hmm. It's a green lantern. It's a green. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. Um, basically, we don't really know a whole lot of what Daredevil is going to look like with Charles Soule's run ending and something else beginning. That's what Jed McKay. Uh, first off, his real name is Jedediah. I didn't know that people still name their kids that. Lady um, from the South. He. Oh, there is Texas considered the South. I think so. I think I think people okay. in Texas would call themselves. They was in the Confederacy, so I think it it would they would call themselves okay. Southern. Yeah, my part of Florida is so south that it's north again. Oh. So. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh. Anyway, Jed McKay. He. Uh. It looks like the only thing that he's really written has been, a few. Uh. Like punk rock spider-man or spider-punk i forget what it's called but uh like a few short stories about that uh that's it i don't know is he famous from something else like some other medium um i don't know i know he's writing one of the marvel digital original series um i think he's writing the the iron fist one that's come that either is coming out or the first issue has just come out okay Oh, I'm looking. He's up, a, this might be a different. He's a Canadian children's TV producer, writer, and composer. Yeah, that's what I'm looking up right now. But like, is this him? Because I looked up like when Mark Russell was starting to do, you know, Prez and Flintstones and all that. Mm-hmm. I was looking him up, and I was like, oh, this guy is actually a like musical political sat- satirist, and he's like kind of old. But that was a completely different guy. Oh. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Is this is this the real Jed McKay? <laughs> Will the real Jed McKay please stand up? <laughs> please stand up. Please stand. Anyway, for all of you youngins, that was a reference from the early two thousands. Um, <laughs> I sure hope nobody that young is listening to this oh, podcast. God, I fucking hope not. Uh, oh, he's writing the Daughters of the Dragon book, so he's writing the Misty Knight, um, Colleen Wigbert book, not the. Okay. Not the um, um, Iron Fist book. Yeah, I can't okay. tell if he's done other things or not. He might just be doing some new stuff at Marvel. And uh, he's also writing Ghost Panther. Oh, he is. is that like a mixture That's of the, Ghost Rider and Black Wars, Panther. That's because they all got warped, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Infinity Warps. Infinity Warps. They got warped. Yeah, it looks like my. The side of the side of my Google search has his spider his, his spider geddon stuff and his TV show Canadian stuff in the same in the same little box and they're showing a picture oh. they're showing a picture of a guy w- with glasses and white hair. He also writes short stories. Uh, if you go to his Twitter, he has a link to his WordPress where he posts short stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I believe that this guy produced Canadian TV show things. Then is, <laughs> I'm with it. 
All right, so that's happening, guys. It's coming out in January. The solicits will be out next week. We'll talk about it in a couple weeks on our next episode once we know more. And that's what we got from New York Comic Con. We're done. We did it. Great. All right. Uh, so this was our special episode to cover all the, the NYCC stuff. We'll be back the end of October with our usual look at maybe the rest of the news that comes out, but then probably a lot of issues because we talked about all the news. Talk about some Venom stuff. Nick and I might go see Venom and maybe, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe. might get drunk and go see Venom. <laughs> I canceled my movie pass, so it's really like if I go to see it, I have to pay for it. <gasps> All right, we might stream Venom <laughs> illegally. We'll see. Anyway, uh, until then, you can find us all on Twitter. I am at kbgregory13. Jess, who recently went to the Great Beyond, but still will somehow tweet about wrestling stuff for the rest of the week, is at jesscamnj. And Nick, where can they find you on the interwebs? I am on Twitter. At N. Palmieri writes. Great. Um, I will continue to fail at ending this podcast. Um, so I will just tell you all goodbye. And that's where I'm at. If you have suggestions on how I can sign this fucking thing off, uh, please tweet at me over the next two weeks and I will take them in cons- into consideration because I'm. You had. You had a good one like two episodes ago and then you lost it. I can't even remember what it is because (laughs) I just am so embarrassed that I don't know how to end a podcast. Okay. This is riveting. This is, this is, you're all, why are you still listening? Okay. Good night. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. We're done. We're done. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.